All right, so very excited about today's episode. Some call him a protector of peace. Some call him the enemy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's a very good friend of mine. We're just going to call him Johnny Boy. So please, guys, he's going to be talking to us about his life, his journey through martial arts, as well as his time in the academy to where he's at now. So please welcome Johnny Boy. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Johnny Boy. We're glad to have you. Um, so how are you feeling today? Pretty good, pretty good. Okay, so I think what's the question that's on everybody's mind is, what's your real problem with minorities? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so this is going to be a good one. Let's talk about, first of all, what one made you want to be a cop? Did you always know you wanted to be a cop, or is it something that... No, um, so you know, as a kid, I wanted to join the military. Um, uh, my... My father was in the military, and he kind of expected me to join the military myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but growing up, I got to see the uh, positive effect that you know, police officers had in the community. And you know, when I started uh, MMA at a gym, I um, I asked some advice from uh, the officers that were training there, and uh, they said the best bet was maybe uh, joining a college or getting a degree, and that that would be better for the job. So, uh, you know, I went to school instead. Okay, so that's that's right. You did work with uh, some guys. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of actual cops that actually do martial arts and stuff like that. Yes. Which is really good because <clears throat> do you think in your line so far um, that it's a, it's important for police officers to have hand-to-hand -hand combat experience? Oh, yeah, very, very, very important. Okay, one thing that – before I forget the question just because this was on my mind. Okay. Do you think uh, – because I did the academy uh, – not the academy. I did the pre-interviews for it okay and then it's cops are just like people right some yeah, people yeah. are cool some people are assholes yeah. it is what it is right of course do you think you've seen a difference in people that have trained before and sort of their demeanor and their behavior towards others as a police officer or do you think it's something that has nothing to do you know what i mean what's your take on that yeah i think i think it's uh very important to have uh, a background in martial arts or some sort of a hand-to-hand -hand combat i mean in my so i've had i have about five years experience uh as a police officer and i haven't struck anyone with my hands right. and feet and you know and I trained Muay Thai but how it helped me was uh, the confidence that it gave me you know <clears throat> when I'm approaching a person uh, a suspect or whatnot uh, it gives you the confidence that okay if he swings at me then I'm going to take care of business but compare that to someone who doesn't know how to you know how to use their hands or feet or martial arts then they might get they might get scared, you know. Get and, antsy, right? Yeah, they might get antsy, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they do train us in the academy on uh, basic, you know, takedowns and how to, you know, how to t put someone in handcuffs. But other than that, um, I think you know anyone should just learn how to do martial arts or uh, some sort of a martial of uh, a fighting system. Yeah, and I think it, that goes. That's universal for people, right? And mm -hmm. again, cops are people. So, I mean, I know for me personally, I got in fights all the time growing up because I was really small. I had no idea how to fight. <laughs> and when I actually learned a martial art and learned how to fight and defend myself, I'd never gotten any altercations after that, really. You know, very, very few, if any. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's, uh, before we talk about the academy yeah. and uh, your job, let's talk about sort of what led there. And I know martial arts played a big role in your life and sort of your, you were just saying, kind of led to becoming a cop right well yeah okay so go on you give us a rundown real quick from uh the beginning to to the end or okay. to where your journey continues all right <laughs> uh so i started uh you know taekwondo when i was eight years old and on and off until uh maybe 15 or so and at that time uh mma wasn't big so right. no one knew about muay thai or all that and um but it's when youtube started uh youtube youtube happened and uh, they would have a lot of uh, Taekwondo versus Muay Thai. Yeah. And you would always see the the Taekwondo practitioner losing. Mm -hmm. And whenever I asked my like you know master or instructor, he would always say, "Oh, you know that's bullshit. You know the the Taekwondo guy he sucks or or Muay Thai is not a real martial art." So I was kind of brainwashed at the time mm. that Muay Thai wasn't a real martial art. You know, and it, it just kind of came out of nowhere because I had no idea what it was. And when I was 17, 
uh, an MMA gym uh, opened up near where I lived, and uh, it happened to be Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And um, that's when I learned uh, Muay Thai from uh, a person named Peter Dickerson. He was he was really really good, and I I kind of studied on my own and and I studied the history of it, the cultural aspect of it, and it was uh, I learned that you know it was very um, there was a deep history into Muay Thai and how effective it was. You know the art of eight limbs, um, punching elbows, you know the knees, shins, and uh, you know that's how I fell in love uh, with the art of Muay Thai. And then when I was, I think, 21, that's when I met you, mm-hmm. 20 or 21 years old. So, Damn, is that long ago? Yeah, oh, <laughs> dude, dude. So, <laughs> so I, I had, I had a four years experience in Muay Thai, I mm-hmm. think, at the time. And um, the Muay Thai instructor and the owner at the time had, had beef or something like that. And, and, um, and, and he had to leave, uh, unfortunately. And the owner asked me, hey, can you just, you know, run a couple classes? And, and be mindful, I only have four years experience. I didn't have, I think I had maybe one fight at the time. And so I was like, yeah, sure, why not until you get someone. So I was teaching and that's when you came along. Mm. And then you came along. And um, at the time, being a small fish in a small pond, I thought I was maybe big headed. Oh, yeah, you know, they told me they're the ones who came to me to teach or what but right. uh you came and you came um from a background where it was a it was a um a gym of prestige right mm-hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. so uh that's when you introduced me to something a lot bigger and opened my eyes you know where you know you you brought me you took me to your gym and i got my ass kicked a couple times right and uh you know that's when i got even more into it where i was like oh shit there, there's a lot more to learn right so what was your just just because I'm curious I've never asked you this before what was your first impression of me? <laughs> well, at the time I didn't know you, but I was like, hey, who, who's this skinny tall guy? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting. Whenever you go in as an instructor, yeah. for sure everyone sizes you up, like mm-hmm. even if they don't mean to, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I remember everyone was really nice and cool and stuff, but uh, I don't really remember exactly the first couple of days. But uh, I think you brought couple of your homies i i don't remember mm. it was a couple of your friends yeah because i remember and then one time uh you took the class you were super cool we had we, had, we did some good guys over there yeah and then one time me and you boxed before class <laughs> that was the first time we actually sparred <laughs> okay and we were fucking going at it and then everyone started like circling us was watching us <laughs> i was like oh but yeah yeah no 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 I, I remember you came and um you just had a lot of knowledge in muay thai and just in striking and i was like oh Oh snap! Like you know, I could learn something from this guy, and you know, every little tip that you were telling me, like it was like I saw that it was working. Right. And uh, you know, and padding, uh, pad work. Not a lot of people would it. What, what pad work is is, uh, when you have um, what do you call it? Tie pads, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have tie pads, and it's kind of like for mitting for boxing, we have pad work, right? Mm-hmm. And the way you were doing your pad work, it was, it was just freaking nice man like oh, you know and, th- and that takes skills in itself you know like so um so yeah yeah that in itself i was like wow like okay i, I want to learn from this guy you know i want to be under him and you know and that's how he became one of your fighters yeah you're actually um to this day my most uh s- number one success story is my martial arts coach <laughs> you, man. You, know, you, know, you know why too is because i see a lot of these guys they get fighters not to toot my own horn or anything like that but a lot of these guys get fighters as they're they're already accomplished and they mm-hmm. go there for a couple of things and they take a lot of credit you know but i really felt like from you know your first fight to where you you retired to to become a police officer there was so much progress so much gain and then also to the students that we had built around the program were coming up and it was almost like you were bringing them in too so it was a good it was definitely a small but very uh very strong gym i thought uh, yeah it was fun it was fun yeah then. it was a good know. especially uh, you know daniel and uh, yeah, yeah daniel was really great group of misfits and whatnot mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so you do your fighting, and then at this point, towards the end of your career, you start to decide that you want to become a police officer, correct? Yeah. Okay, so you decide to go to the police officer, and how does it start? What's the first thing you do if, as if you want to become one? You go to interviews, right? So, yeah, yeah. So you do multiple interviews. Uh, there's, a, um, there's a written test that's involved, and after that, you have to do a background investigation. Oh, there's a pre-background investigation. Then there's a background investigation. Uh, then you got to go to um, a physical. You got to do your physical test, pass that. Uh, once that's done, you do your actual interview. Um, once that's done, you do your uh, psychological test. And uh, you do the, the lie detector test. You do that also. And 
um, the last thing you do is um, you, you do your medical screening. So it's a pretty uh, – I remember you going through this, and it was pretty stressful. It was actually – yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, it was a very long and thorough process, right? I think about six months. Right, and uh, during the psychological <clears throat> exam, do you feel like they would know if you're if you're batshit crazy off of that stuff? Like, did did it deep dig pretty deep into your like family history and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was like about a thousand questions. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so they're and a lot of them are kind of repetition to figure out that, or yeah, they go back to the same root of the problem if you have it, right? That yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I felt like uh, you know they were they were pretty good with that. Okay, now, uh, if you're in a different state, do you know if it's different? I'm sure like a small town in the middle of uh, fucking Georgia or something like that mm-hmm. is a very different uh, uh, procedures versus like L.A. where it's one of the biggest. Yeah, uh, everyone has different steps. Right, right. Ah, uh, sorry, little phone interruption right there. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because in other states, obviously, they have a lot more stuff they can get away with. And I think that's where you see a lot more of these uh, – problems with uh you know cops and people or whatnot mm-hmm. so i was just kind of curious about that okay so that's done now you're ready for the academy right yeah okay so walk us through that how does that go so <clears throat> like i told you before uh you know when i was in my high school i thought i was gonna join the military right mm-hmm. so i joined the police academy thinking it's gonna be like the military you know it's gonna be a lot of running a lot of push-ups a lot of physical aspect but i was wrong um it's it's a lot of test Mm -hmm. so they test you a lot on uh like on the law on how you treat people different scenarios um obviously driving so it was a lot of testing um that maybe i wasn't prepared for i mean obviously i was because i passed it Mm -hmm. but uh it was it was a lot different from what I expected. Well, when I went to boot camp for the military, I was lifting weights yeah. before to get ready to go into boot camp. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to get big and strong. And we didn't fucking lift one weight the whole time. With that. We just ran and did jumping jacks, push it, like nothing but cardio. And, yeah. you know, uh, I ended up losing like 20 pounds. I thought I was going to come back all shredded in my mm-hmm. uniform and I was fucking skinnier than when I left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, a lot of people, uh, you know, they get that wrong too. A lot of people, they, they lift weight before they join the police academy. But, uh, you know, and I was lucky enough where you know I was in a I was in a Muay Thai gym mm-hmm. or MMA gym and I was pretty fit. So when it came to the uh, physical aspect of it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, that difficult. Right. Yeah. So it's just a lot of testing, a lot yeah. of just to make sure you're on top of your yeah, shit. Yeah. As long as uh you know you know how to do your push-ups or you're in shape, mm-hmm. uh, you would pass the physical part. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then after the academy, uh, how long is the academy? Academy is six months. Six months? Yeah. Oh, shit. I thought it was like eight weeks. <laughs> no, six months. Oh, okay. And uh, how does it work? You like check it in the mornings, but you get to go home in the evening? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's like a, it's it's similar to a boot camp, except in the evening you're, you're Well, back yeah. Home. You go home. Okay. I mean, I wish it was like boot camp. I wish they, they let us kind of stay there so that way you can just wake up early to your thing. But yeah. the fact that you got to go home, drive, and you know, prepare for the next day and study, I, I feel like that was kind of hard too. Yeah, I mean, when you submerge yourself into it, it definitely has benefits mm-hmm. because you get obsessed with it in a lot of ways. But then also, fucking being able to go home is ah, uh, I guess, I guess it's got it's a, good and bad. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good, good and bad. And bad it's yeah. good and bad. I mean, I was in fucking Chicago and I had the flu and it was fucking negative twenty two degrees, and I'm like isolated. I hate everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I I finally got my first phone call after a month. And I called and my sister answered the phone and I fucking got tears in my eyes. And I don't fucking cry, you know, yeah, but yeah. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> but at the same point, I was like the military. They had me kind of thinking a lot of things where I was fucking gun ho and stuff like that. So, I mean, it'd be nice to go home, but I could see how that could fucking throw things off too, you know? Yeah. So after that, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a job either, right? After you finish the academy, good, well, you graduated. It, well, you finish. Mm-hmm. So uh, while you're in the academy – that's your job. So they pay you. Oh, they pay you yeah, for the academy? You, yeah. Oh, shit. So, you know, if you fail, you're, you're being fired. So that ma- that's what makes it extra uh, dramatic. Because ah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're fired, you're done. Some so Donald you're not Trump comes out like, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're fired, you're done. So um, luckily I passed. And after you pass, uh, you have – so you're a patrol officer and uh, you have one year of probation. So, um, meaning you're in, you're under strict rules. Like, you know, if you mess up, you can get fired anytime. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So you, you transition into your one year, um, probation as a patrol officer. Okay. So they, it's sort of like they find you a job. 
Yeah. Oh, because I always thought it was where after you pass that, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. You have to still go and try to interview different places. It, it depends on where you work. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So where, well, then you get your job where you're at and you start doing a patrol. What's that like as your first days in your unit or uh, we're not going to say where you work, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, first day in patrol, it's, uh, it's not like anything. They just pretty much throw you in there because they, you feel like, before before you start your your that first day, you feel like oh maybe I'm ready. That's six months of preparation, you know I'm ready for uh, the job. But it's it, you're wrong. You know you you learn a lot more in um, your first year of patrol than than that whole six months. Yeah, because you you're yeah. like like any job really it's it's all in theory, right? Yeah. And then when you're out there doing it, it's a lot fucking different than it, it says. Exactly. In the book. So your your first day you can get into anything. I mean, there can be a shooting call, domestic violence. Uh, um, you know, a mental illness, a child abuse, mm-hmm. a rape, and 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 luckily, uh, when they do, uh, uh, when you do start as a probationer, uh, you're with someone who's more experienced. So you're you're with the training officer. So um, so that officer, I I've ha- I just had great ones where you know they teach you, they show you the ropes. Mm-hmm. And I I remember one specific story. Uh, I'm not too sure if you remember this, but you said one of your training things, your your uh, the guy that was in charge of you, sorry, the training officer? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, so the training officer had you book somebody that was a experienced veterano kind of thing, and he kind of walked you through what you did wrong? Or what was, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not actually. Okay, so you yet. told me that the, the guy was like, okay, go ahead and, um, you know, detain this guy real quick. Mm-hmm. And then when you did it, he was like, what did he do wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell the listeners that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I I forgot what I arrested the suspect for, but you know I had him in handcuffs and um and 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 he was arrested. I, f- I forgot for what it was. This was years back, but then my training officer asked um asked that person that I arrested uh a hey, uh is it cool if you you know tell the rookie what he did wrong? And this guy was straight up telling me. Hey, you know, like when you cuff somebody, you know, use two hands or whatever it was. Uh, I'm not too sure right now, but he yeah, schooled he, you up a little he, bit. He pretty much schooled me up, <laughs> and that actually taught me a lot. Was he like an old school gangster? It was a, yeah, it was an old school gangster, and you know, straight up, and uh, he was just telling me, you know, you gotta, you know, when you, you know, when you put a firm grip on somebody, you know, you better have that firm grip. You better, you better make sure that you mean business. Cause he's like, know, otherwise I'll turn you around and shank you, Doug, or what? Something like that. Man. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's because I remember you told me that. I was like, fuck, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, just to get schooled up like that and yeah. have some fucking cholo telling you what you did wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but sometimes you learn more from them, you know. From, oh yeah, yeah, for sure, because they're gonna tell you from the enemy standpoint what what the fuck they're looking for. I, mean, kind I of wouldn't thing. say enemy. Well, some of that's on the opposite side. <laughs> no, of on the it, opposite right? side, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah on the opposite side. side yeah. Yeah, because he's yeah. And then, so your area is, is pretty rough. Do you have something specific that, I think most crimes, obviously, not me, I think, but fucking a lot of them have to do with drugs or alcohol, right? What's something you see a lot in your neighborhood from uh, abuse of a substance or something like that? Because sometimes in this podcast, we talk about recovery and drug addiction, stuff like that. What's something yeah. that you see that's a fucking... Real problem. Are, are are you asking about like narcotic uh, substances? Yeah, and stuff? something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, from you know my personal experience, what I've seen so far, um, is a lot of methamphetamine and heroin out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a it's a cheaper drug, and um, it, it it's it's easy it's easy to obtain and easy to use. Uh, so uh, a lot of I've seen just a lot of um, people use them. Yeah. Yeah. With meth, especially, it comes with a lot of. Uh, Anger, aggression. Yeah, meth, methamphetamine is an upper, and the heroin is a is a lower. Yeah, because heroin addicts. I mean, I'm not gonna say that they're not bad. A lot of heroin addicts are thieves and shit like that because they want to feed their addiction, right? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pinpoint it like that. But... What do you, what do you get mostly associated with uh, heroin versus like meth use? Which, what, what is, do you notice like a pattern of crimes with one versus the other? Oh, I mean, well, obviously, when you're uh, when you're using methamphetamine, uh, since it's an upper, sometimes. Uh, whether it's laced or not, if they use too much of it, they they can just go all over the place. You know, so we're running we'll, down the street or something like that. What do they lace it with? Uh, let's just say if it's laced with PCP, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you know, s- since it's that, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a huge problem. Because then they're yeah. up and then they're fucking hallucinating. Exactly, right? exactly. And they're hallucinating. Just... They're they're running down the street or whatever it may be, uh, maybe trying to attack somebody. Uh, but heroin is a downer, so a lot of times uh, heroin users they're just kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Right. It's more of just sort of a kind of like loitering or fucking sleeping places or not. Yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because a heroin addict, they could be on the street in a fucking gutter and then to them they're flying on a magic carpet you know soaring because <laughs> they're high as shit you know mm-hmm. but meth addicts they always seem like they're trying to get that rush or trying to get high or something fucking crazy you know mm-hmm. yeah so just in my experience fucking yeah it's it's pretty bonkers I actually have a cousin I'm, I'm trying not to say too much on my end right now because he's got a hit out for him on uh, the uh, yeah some something so he he's got a hit out for him on this and he's a fucking meth user. And growing up, he was always, you know, I've been around meth my whole life. Okay. But this guy's just fucking bonkers. You know, he's always, he'll sleep, he'll be up for 10 days. When he got married, he was high on meth. <laughs> so after the wedding, and it's like a ghetto wedding. They're yeah. in like, um, what is it, Moreno Valley, where it's just, you know, there's nothing out there. We come back to the house. I felt so bad for his poor wife that I was like, let me try to throw him a reception, even though it's at the house, you know? So I decorated the backyard and stuff like that. And this guy's sitting on a chair and he can't even hold, his head's like bobbing around. He can't even stay awake and he just falls asleep on his wedding day for like three days. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, fucking idiot. But he actually got into a rehab recently. So we're hoping that he could uh, stay clean. I mean, I've cut him out of my life, but I'm hoping he could stay clean for once in his life, you know? Yeah. Okay. So what about... Is there any kind of like what's a specific crime or something that stuck out with you that or arrest you had? Do you have any? I don't say arrest, but okay, there's one story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a as a patrol officer, you don't you don't always just arrest people. Either you you go and um, you answer calls like domestic violence, child abuse, and mental illness is one of them. Right. right. So they call it fifty one fifty, where you know you're you're a danger to yourself, others, or uh, gravely disabled. So we go we go to this one call, and it, it was um, it was an old el- elderly man. He had, he had depression, and uh, he told his wife that he wanted to die, and he's already pu- been put on a fifty one fifty hold, a mental hold, mm-hmm. and um. So he, he that's what he tells her, and he goes, oh yeah, um, I'm gonna be in my room with my uh king snake and uh she tells us that he has like a five foot king snake in his room or whatever so uh we get to the house she lets us in and she tells us oh yeah he's in his room he's been locked inside for about five hours and i'm afraid that you know he killed himself because he's attempted it in the past Mm -hmm. so we're like all right so uh, at this point we call for additional unit and uh we knock on the door uh let's call him jerry so, hey, Jerry, can you open the door? We just want to talk to you. And uh, no answer. Mm-hmm. So we're outside, of, we're outside of his room thinking, oh, shit, maybe, like, okay, this might be an emergency, mm-hmm. right? So uh, uh, we have someone uh, pick the door uh, with the pocket knife. And this was my early years in career. So, uh, you know, me being the less experienced officer, I was in the front. <laughs> so, so after we pick the door we boot the door we go in and i see this old 70 year old man laying down on his bed butt naked mm-hmm. right and he has he's holding a huge teddy bear and he's laying down on his bed mm-hmm. he's holding a huge teddy bear with his right uh, left arm and his in his right hand he's masturbating well, he, it looks like he's uh, having a seizure. So he's masturbating with a bunch of lotion in his private area. So I go in and... Uh, Wait, he's having a seizure and masturbating? No, no, no. So oh. it looks like he's having a seizure. <laughs> okay. So his eyes are rolled and he's just like breathing really hard. He's just beating his He's knees. just beating it. He's just beating it. <laughs> and, um, and, he had, and he had a bunch of a pool of lotion in his private area, right? Uh-huh. White lotion. And uh, so me going in... They go like, so John, what do you see? What what's going on? Because we had we had other people outside of the room, and right. I was the first one in. Mm-hmm. So they're like, what's going on? So I was like, uh, the first thing that came up to mind was he's jacking off, sir. <laughs> <laughs> 
what's the code for beating meat? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're trying to be professional, but you're so shocked. Right. Because you're thinking, oh, man, like, we got to go help this old man. Mm-hmm. But you go in and then you see that, right? So I was pretty surprised and shocked. <laughs> um, so, but then again, you know, so we had to put him on, because he wasn't taking his meds and, you know, he, he was um, he was suicidal. So we had to put him on the hold. Um, so now we got to detain this guy. Mm-hmm. So so we're trying to transport him mm-hmm. to the hospital, right? We're trying to get him some help, but he's just nonstop, just breathing really hard and just masturbating, <laughs> masturbating with his right hand, just laying on that bed. So uh, my partner at the time, he's like, hey, sir, you know, he's like, drop the teddy bear. And he's just not listening. He's just like going at it, going at it, right? <laughs> so my partner, he takes the teddy bear away and he throws it on the floor. So this guy, he gets his left hand. He reaches behind his bed, and he he um picks up a a tub of lotion and he dumps it on his private area and he just keeps masturbating. <laughs> so uh, my partner goes, "Hey, sir," he says, "Drop the lotion," <laughs> <laughs> and he's just breathing so hard, just going at it, going at it. So my partner he takes now he he has to take the lotion away, and he drops it and he throws it on the floor. And what does this old man do? He reaches over the bed and he gets another tub of lotion. And now he's he's on a pond of lotion. <laughs> so, so like I said, us being the less experienced officer, you know, uh, I'm looking at my sergeant. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh-huh. well, at least at least let's detain him so we can uh, put him on a gurney and safely transport him to the hospital. Right. So like, all right. So we're, we're on top of this bed. We're just trying to. You know, trying to get his arms and just behind his back, and we're just slipping all over the place. We have lotion on our face. Yeah, so uh, eventually we we got him detained, and then he was safely transported to the hospital where uh, he was put on a mental hold. But uh, that was pretty shocking. Do you find that, or do you, so you obviously come by a lot of crazy people in your line of work, right? Like uh, uh, mentally people, Ill, mental mental illness, illness, yes, yeah, yeah, people with pe- mental People with mental illnesses. Does that make you more uneasy than just dealing with a, a criminal, or is it just something you're used to? No. Um, I think you get used to it. You learn how to talk to people, and you you learn how to talk to different people, mm-hmm. uh, and you just learn how to how, how to use your words wisely. You know? Right. And and it's all about like, let's just say I mean you talked about let's say gangsters, right? It's all about respect, right? Amongst gangsters, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as I guess I guess anybody, mm-hmm. um, so as long as you treat someone with respect, you're gonna get it back. Right. Unless he feels he's disrespected or she. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, during my job, I try to treat everyone with respect, and you know, that's no bullshit. Because if I didn't, then it, there would there would there would always be a problem, and uh, I try to avoid that. Yeah. So uh, you asked me. Um, so when I see a crazy person, well, I just it, so you said when I what would you would you ask? I think it was more of just does it make you more uneasy to to deal with someone that's mentally? Because um, I know for the average person like myself, I was talking to Daniel, who's <laughs> a a nurse in an institution. I didn't even know that an asylum. For mm-hmm. for mental disorders stuff like that, and I my react first thing I said was like mental people fucking scare me, mm-hmm. but I didn't that was just that it's true I guess because I blurted it out, and to him he's like yeah to most people it seems that way he's like but he's so used to his job and dealing with these people that it, it's nothing to him. So. Oh yeah, so yeah, so like I said, like you learn how to like um, uh, use your words wisely, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, when, when you're when you're dealing with some someone with a mental illness, you can't be too complicated with your words. You mm-hmm. got to kind of simplify things. And um, you gotta kind of slow things down, and not not rush it. And you have to be very patient. As long as you are, um, there shouldn't be an issue. But there there's no guaranteed mm-hmm. in any situation. But so in that aspect, yeah, I'm not. I don't get uncomfortable. I mean, I've just done it so many times where I'm. It's like to me, it's normal. Like I guess what Daniel said. Mm-hmm. So if you run into someone with a mental illness and you're giving advice, to, like say I'm I'm on the street and I run into someone with a mental illness and I'm trying to help them. Or trying to, you know, give him instructions or something to maybe save a life. What would, how would I, how should I approach it, or should I address them if I have to, if it's absolutely necessary? If you have to slow it down, mm-hmm. no, don't treat them like they're, they're stupid. Like don't treat them differently, because a lot of people know, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of schizophrenic people, like you know, they might, it, it might seem like they, they're not listening to you, but they're listening to you. It's like they, they know if you're trying to patronize exactly. them and shit like that. Yeah, okay, and, and mm-hmm. that, that'll, um anger them even more mm-hmm. so just um you know treat them like a, a normal person slow it down um and, and just simplify things and just be patient mm. you know okay and then what about a 
someone on drugs, like a methamphetamine user, someone that's already amped up. They're sort so I was at the Chevron gas station down the street actually on Friday. I was getting gas and this he was obviously a tweaker or a crackhead or something like that, some kind of stimulant. He runs up to some lady pumping gas and tries to yank the hose away from her. Yeah. But he's like way smaller than her. She's yeah. a big lady and she's like holding the hose. But he's like in a frenzy. So some people are pushing him away. There's a, bit, a lot of people there, so yeah. I didn't get involved. I was across the street, but you know, he's just getting more pumped up and he's running in the store, running out of the store, running down the street. And finally the cops came, they arrested him right away, and then I don't know what happened after that. But like someone in that sort of state of mind, how do you talk to them if you have like say it's a family member or a sometimes close friend. you can't. Um you can't. when they're that high you can't. Mm-hmm. Um you know, those are the times where, uh, you know, words won't process mm-hmm. into their brains because they're just so high, you know. So uh, at that time, you got to try to detain them, um, you know, safely and quickly as possible. So that way, you know, other civilians uh, surrounding the area, they're not injured and, um, you know, get them help. So what if, say, for example, I have a family member, someone that lives in my household, and they're high on fucking drugs. They're out of their mind, and they're being irrational. Mm-hmm. What What do you think is the best thing to do? Call the police. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, because uh, I've had a situation similar to that. At the time, I had a sponsor, and he's like, you know, call the cops. You need to do something to to ensure that, you know, you're okay. And I always felt comfortable with my own safety. I was just more worried about them doing something. But then there's, okay. also, there's also the internal conflict of do I call the cops on a, a relative or a close friend? You know, or should I just try to restrain? Like, what do you, you know what I mean? So that was something I felt I've I've come into my personal experience a lot of times with. Okay, I think when you're contemplating like that, like I think you're contemplating, am I safe or not? You know, are my family is my family member safe or not? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best thing to do is just call the police. Mm, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I definitely uh, it's definitely the right thing to do. It's just sometimes you feel <laughs> get caught up in people's shit, you know? Yeah, and it's it's hard to. Uh, because I think that's a problem with most uh, parents or loved ones of a drug addict is a lot of times they think that, you know, it's betraying that person, but sometimes it's actually saving their life. Right. And I think it's something that then if you go to, uh, what's it called? The damn uh, Al-Anon, which is a program to, to deal with drug addicts and stuff like that. And a lot of family members, in my experience, or parents and stuff like that, they have a hard time being like, I can't call the kids cops on my own kid, mm-hmm. or they don't know how to set those boundaries. And it kind of comes where their kid ends up fucking killing somebody or themselves and stuff like that. So, yeah, call the cops, people. <laughs> so we have some questions. Uh, that's a couple fans. Not like I have tons of fans, but I got a couple out there. <laughs> and they wanted to ask you a couple questions. Okay. So do your best to uh, answer them. And if anything's feeling dicey, feel free to skip it. But our first question was undercover. Have you ever gone undercover? Do you know someone that's gone undercover? Do you have um, sort of a story about somebody or is it something that you want to pursue? No, uh, that's not something I want to pursue. I like I, – I enjoy being in the uniform. Uh, I enjoy, um, you know, um, meeting the public. Uh, you know, uh, that was my passion uh, of – becoming a police officer so that's not something that i want to pursue but um undercover officers yeah i mean you have uh you have you know narcotic unit out there and vice unit out there that you work with all the time so yeah of course uh, i know people uh, Mm -hmm. who work undercover so with that uh there's a lot of different movies that portray for example there's this one movie i think it's in the 1980s it's called rush it's about an undercover narcotics cop Right, okay. and he's trying to infiltrate a, a heroin trade. Okay. So he's going in there, and he he has to he has a partner, and she's sort of a rookie, and he's basically buying heroin, and then the heroin dealers are making him shoot up in front of them to make sure it's uh, that he's legit and not a cop. Yeah. Is that so, and I heard that there's different rehabs for cops and stuff like that. Is that true, or is that just sort of something that's? Yeah, that part I I wouldn't know because uh. I'm just not you know I'm, that's not my expertise, so I wouldn't know. I really yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Just something I was curious about too. <laughs> so another question: Do you ever feel bad when you arrest somebody? Like, have you ever arrested somebody that maybe you didn't want to, or? Yeah, you... of course. Yeah. Of course, man. Um, uh, I think it was one of my first arrests, <laughs> <laughs> or one of one of my first uh, uh, in my early years. Uh, and um, not 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 that I have a lot of years on, but um, I think I think uh, I forgot why. But okay, maybe I was running a a, a a car 
conducted uh, I think a illegal left turn, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I was with my training officer at the time, and uh, we ran the license plate of the car, and it came back with the felony warrant. With uh, I think it was like two hundred thousand dollars. I forgot what it was, but it was a it was a lot of amount. And felony warrant's a felony warrant, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you stop the car. And you do a felony stop on the car, and it happened to be like a seventy-year-old lady, uh-huh. and you know she had a something like a grand—it was like a theft, like grand theft or something—but she didn't take care of it for so long that it just piled up and piled up, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and then I had to arrest a seventy-year-old lady. And then you had to beat the shit out of her. <laughs> just no. kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But, yeah, of course, of course, you feel bad. You know, I mean. That could be anyone's grandma, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially, she probably got away with it for so long because she's old and innocent. Yeah, looking, you exactly, know, so yeah. you just like keep passing her by and stuff like that. That's crazy. So, what's the plan for the future? Are you gonna just keep working as a officer until you retire? Yeah, that's the plan for now. Okay, so I, I don't know how it works. Do you move up? Is there like a detect? How does it? Do you keep climbing ranks in inside? I know there's a sort of a, a ranking system in there, right? Yeah. Oh. So. Um, so after patrol, uh, you can you can take your detectives test, and um, and if you do get into detectives, then there's different ranks of detectives where uh, you you can uh, promote to a lieutenant, but if if that's not it, you can be a patrol officer where you can move on to. Uh, becoming a training officer and all of this is again like putting your application out there. It's kind of like um, you know doing your job interview all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you put in your application um, and you know you do an interview and they pick you or not. Uh, and if you get picked, you know you transition on to a training officer and from there a sergeant to a lieutenant and uh, from a lieutenant uh, to a captain and uh, you can go all the way up. Okay. Uh, and for someone that's starting out and then maybe wants to be a cop. What would be your advice to somebody, you know, that was in your position when you were 20, when you started getting the idea? Uh, if you're serious about it, you know, stay out of trouble. You know, stay out of trouble uh, because they do look at that, uh, your, your criminal history. So um, try to, um, if you have those bad apples you know, within your group, you know, try not to hang out with them. I mean, it, it might be hard, but, you know, you, know, you, you focus on your studies or something because, uh, you know, I, I had a guy... So I had a guy who asked me the same question, and he was trying to be a police officer, and uh, he made a few mistakes in his past, and uh, and um, that prevented him from passing the mm. uh, the background portion of it. So, you know, uh, I felt really bad about that. He's a great guy, but like, you know, that's that's some of the things. Just think wisely on on um, you know the decisions that you make because uh, it will affect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it because he had like arrests due to some stuff that happened in the past? Or yeah, he made just... a, yeah he made a mistake where he had an arrest in the past, uh, which was maybe like five six years ago, and uh, that prevented him from passing. Oh really? Yeah. So what about these movies where the DA agents are like ex drug addicts or like convicted criminals and they become like that's not real? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I, I haven't met one. Unfortunately, I've always been on the opposite side of the law. I think that's just all movie stuff, man. Okay. Yeah. What about? Someone that, if someone does have sort of a criminal history, um, that's not too crazy. Is there a way for them to kind of redeem it, or they should they just be super honest with the people that are interviewing them? Well, they're gonna check it, so but it'll show. So you, there's no way you can lie or go about anything like that. It's like it's gonna. Yeah, come yeah. Out. I mean, if you've been arrested for it, it's gonna pop up. Yeah. So just say yeah. it. Just go in there and be fucking super honest about what happened and. Hope yeah, that. I mean, I mean, if you like. <laughs> killed somebody yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like, that's not the best choice i mean like say say you did dr- say you did some drugs or say maybe you got a, an arrest for like something that happened when you were younger or something like that yeah just be honest about it and mm-hmm. uh and um you know maybe talk about why you made that mistake and you know how you changed from that and uh i mean there's a huge difference between oh yeah I, i've done you know marijuana like 10 years ago compared to, oh, yeah, I've done cocaine, like, you know, two years ago. You know, like, yeah. if you've done something like that, it's going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, um, you know, you know, you know, choose wisely on what you do and, you know, the decisions that you make. Because if you want to be a police officer and you're serious about it, you know, you want to you want to stay away from that type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Do you have a body cam? Oh, that was another one. Uh, do you no, have body a, cam. a yeah. body cam? Yeah. You do? Yeah, I do. 
And do you feel like it's something that's uh, helped things? You know, because obviously there's a lot of street. I'm not gonna ask one uh, cop what he, what his opinion. Like, it's not gonna. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna be like, oh, do you think this or that? Like, get political with it or anything like that. I just mean, do you think personally it's helped uh, from what you've seen, or do you think it's a detriment? Or yeah, I feel like it helps. I feel like it's a tool that uh, we use um, for like investigations, or you know, if we're if someone put puts a false complaint on us and that's going to help us on uh revealing the truth on yeah. you know that it happened or it didn't yeah because you're not dirty you're not fucking up what's, yeah, what's exactly. the problem right yeah. is there um so is there is there a time or have you noticed anything i don't want to actually put you on blast or anything but is, do you feel like there's people in your department that sometimes you kind of feel uncomfortable working with or do you guys have an open line of conversation because obviously there's bad cops out there just like there's great cops out there right do you have you had like a run-in or a confrontation with somebody or anything like that um or do you think it gets nipped in the butt pretty fast like i mean have i seen anyone do anything like illegal or something like out of out of line or out of hand no like in my in my profession so far no i haven't Mm -hmm. um and obviously, what you see in the media, though, you know, there are people that you know I haven't seen that that been caught with doing stupid things, and now they're facing the consequences. And uh, you know, people ask me that all the time. You know, and and you know, and those people are the ones who who puts that bad reputation on us, who's who's out there, who's trying to do good, uh, literally out there, um, risking our life to protect and serve, right? So, um, have I seen those people? No. Um, but like I said, you know, those people who, who, who did get caught on doing something stupid, um, they're facing the consequences right now. And it, it, that puts a bad rap on all of us. Well, it does suck because, uh, not every day, but like say once a week you see a cop do something fucking stupid, right? But how many fucking cops did their job mm-hmm. and did what they were supposed to and that aren't on the news. You know what I mean? It's exactly. thousands, if not whatever. You oh, know, hundreds is that what of thousands. You're okay. Yeah, you know, so it's just more of, it does suck for the cops that do their job. And uh, I obviously have not always been on the favor of the law. <laughs> but I think now, as I get older, I can respect it more because I'm an adult. I have things that I value. And I'm not going to run around and fucking start, you know, firing my gun at some tweaker because he's making my family feel uncomfortable. I'm going to call a cop and have him do it. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> mm-hmm. not do that, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just definitely it's definitely shitty to to put labels on on anybody cops or anybody there's there's shit there's bad apples in every bunch right yeah yeah like I said you know there are right mm-hmm. uh, but uh, as a profession and I feel like I mean I'll, I'll say I won't say I feel like you know, the reason why I came on the job is to help right is to help people and I don't want to just sit around on my couch when I'm seeing uh, you know people being victimized or whatnot I want to be out there I want I want to help people. And uh, what I see a lot on on an everyday basis is my colleagues doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. um, you know, because you know, when, once you step out that door in, in our profession, you you never know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're you're literally risking your life to uh, to help help the society, and I, and I do see that within my own colleagues. But when he asked me about the bad apples, I haven't seen it in my own eyes. Mm-hmm. I have seen it in the media. Yeah, and uh, and that sucks for everyone who's risking their life out there to help the community. Uh, so I hope that answers that part. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what's the strangest, sorry, next question. <laughs> what's the strangest call you've ever been? I think uh, it was that one I just told you The about. guy jerking off <laughs> in the pool of lotion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. No, grab his hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Do you think, uh, what about, uh, walk us through like a, this might sound kind of stupid, but like a high intense kind of call. Do you get like an adrenaline dump? Are you trying to breathe? Like how do you assess a situation that could be all, uh, I mean, any situation could be te- potentially life-threatening. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, is it? Are you going in every situation? Sort of. What's your mindset walking into these sort of situations? So. So a high-intensity call. Let's just say a a, a robbery occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an emergency call, and we have to go there and uh, uh, lights and sirens fast, quickly, and as we're going, uh, we're passing through. Well, we're stopping uh, on red lights, but. You know, briefly and then you pass through um 
and you're going at a high speed you're trying to get to the call and as you're getting to the call you're talking to your uh, partner uh, about tactics okay what are you going to do if this guy has a gun or, or you want to you want to be contact or you know you want to be non-lethal you're talking about that uh, so you're doing sort of like a refresher course exactly. just to make sure each other's on as you're going and um you're thinking okay uh if and then you're already thinking okay like if he has a gun then call it out and then we'll take care we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna take care of it accordingly if he has a knife we'll back up and we'll stay behind uh the cover of our door and we'll call for backup and uh, so that's that's all the stuff that you're thinking about mm -hmm. and uh as you get to the scene and you, you do see the guy you, you have to uh um what is it I mean, then then you have to start you know, looking around to see you know if there's any additional suspects or what kind of weapons he has, uh, and uh, try to detain him or or arrest him in that case if it's a robbery and then go call for backup immediately if he matches that description. Uh, so um so you do get an adrenaline rush, just going there you get that adrenaline rush. Right. Um and you get there and he runs. <laughs> and then now you're going after this guy yeah. uh, who might have a gun or a knife. See, that's always terrifying to yeah. me. Like, if you're the one running away, you know what you're doing. But, you know, because if you're running, you could have a gun and be like, I'm going to hit this corner and then turn around and yeah. shoot this motherfucker that's running after me. You know, full speed, especially if you're bolting at someone, but you have to exercise precaution coming around the corner doing that sort of thing, right? Exactly, and, and that's something I've done a lot. And See, that's crazy. Just because I care about you and I know you, <laughs> that fucking is nuts because thinking about it, my buddy has to make that split decision because yeah. if he does have a gun or maybe he's just being a fucking idiot and pulling on his cell phone or something like that, like shit could change in a second for exactly. either of you guys, right? Exactly, so... And uh, and it gets more high intense if he did the robbery, if he committed that robbery with with a firearm. And now I see this guy holding his waistband running. Now I'm thinking this guy has a gun, mm -hmm. right? So now I'm chasing after a guy who might have a gun. And uh, at the time you're not really thinking about oh shit I'm scared I'm scared. You're thinking about like tactics, you know how to arrest this guy, how to take him, you know how to take him down, or you know how to do it quickly, efficiently, tactically, all that. But once it's done, you do get you do backtrack on all that happened, mm -hmm. and you're just like, damn, that was intense, right? You know, and 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 it doesn't leave you until maybe like uh, until you get home. Once you get home, you just get that you know just adrenaline just pours down, and then you just it's just kind of shut your your body kind of shuts down. Your mental status might shut down a little bit. Like you're just like, oh shit, that happened today, huh? But during that time, you're not thinking about that. You know, you're not thinking about I'm scared. You're thinking about I gotta do it. I gotta finish my job. You know, that's what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. Do you ever, uh, does it like just keep you up sometimes, like racing? Because I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, cops that, that obviously have uh, trouble sleeping and that sort of mm -hmm. thing, you know, from what I've, my brief experience with friends that are cops. You okay. Know? Uh, keep, uh, does it keep me up? Um, I guess when you're just thinking about it, you're just laying in bed and you're just like, okay, what could I, what could I have done differently? Or, um, you know what can I do next time, mm -hmm. or, or um, you know how can I fix fix this mistake or, uh, or stuff like that. Like stuff like that will keep me up, but the reason why like you know maybe I wouldn't sleep at night is because you know my hours are just all messed up all over the place. You know like right, right. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. What about um? Do you, have you had a moment that really made it clear that you were doing the right thing? Like have you ever you know maybe. Not fucking save someone from burning building, but you know something <laughs> where you're just like someone said thank you, and you're like fuck yeah, I appreciate that, or whatever the case is. You know, have you had one of those moments, or is a lot of them? Or? I mean, yeah, I mean, you have that moment all the time because right. uh, as a police officer, uh, you're seeing the worst of society. You know, people call nine one one for all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's not. It can be uh, horrifying, like a homicide to a rape and to a domestic, and but it's that's not. All all the case sometimes it's just like a sim it could be a theft right mm -hmm. you know someone got their bike stolen you know so um you have a whole spectrum of crime that you're dealing with and um i mean obviously and if, if you catch the suspect or if you arrest the suspect you know, the victim or witness come up to you and thank you for it mm -hmm. you know? but at the, end of, at the end of the day you're just doing your job so uh, some so so much of it happens it's just i'm just doing my job Right. And do you feel like from the general public or, you know, people that you've come in contact with on the job, do you feel like it's people are pro cops? Do you feel like you're discriminated against for being a cop or do you feel like it's just sort of in the middle or? You no, know, I've had both. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had both experiences. Um, you know, I've had experiences where I'm just driving and 
um, or patrolling the area and, uh, you know, civilians would say, hey, thank you for your service. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I appreciate that and I'm grateful. Uh, but I've had instances where, uh, and I've had a crowd on, you know, um, fuck pigs or fuck one yeah. time or whatever. And, uh, were they NWA fans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I try to reason with them, mm -hmm. you know, uh, why we're doing what we're doing, like, you know, why they're pissed off, you know, and I can see why, you know, maybe we've detained or arrested one of their family members or their friends and they may seem like we're doing it like, cause because because of how the media portrays us they might they may see like oh you know these guys are just harassing us mm -hmm. but obviously we're there for a reason mm -hmm. and and we're there to maybe arrest or detain somebody whatever the cause may be but you know we have a you know you need a reason you know you need a probable cause to to arrest somebody if we if we arrest somebody without it you mm -hmm. know we can be jailed ourselves right? right so uh we we need that in order to arrest somebody and then these guys might not understand the crowd might not understand because they got their personal uh, emotions you know involved because we have some of their family members or their friends right and i think it's one of those things too where it's hard uh, well especially to get the mob mentality and they fucking you know amp each other up and stuff like that mm -hmm. but one of the things that really um shit what was i gonna say it was gonna be more about uh damn it i just lost my question i was gonna ask you <laughs> But it was more of just on, on the lines of, um, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of dickhead. We've been saying it. There's a lot of good cops, a lot of bad cops. And I've seen a lot of cops do maybe things that were very questionable. Mm -hmm. But I also have seen things where the cops shouting instructions to somebody and they're not following them. I'm like, just do whatever the cop says. The, the cop's already there. So whether he's an asshole or he's a good guy, you're just giving him a reason to, to detour from what he's, you know what I mean? Exactly. When when that happens, that's, you know, on, on our our. On our end, we're trying to prevent from someone being hurt. Right. Right. So, you know, when when an officer does like, you know, what it's called like a felony stop, right? Traffic stop, and um, they give commands for the driver to come out of the car, you know, to put his hands down, to put put his hands up, face away from me, all that stuff. It's so we can arrest him or detain him without hurting anybody else. Right. Right. But you know, when you're not following those directions. And, you know, you're reaching for your waistband or something, you know, that that makes a lot of people antsy because we don't know what we don't know this person. We don't know if he has any weapons or, you know, a knife or a gun. So, uh, I mean, that's the reason why uh, police officers, they shout commands. You know? Right. And one thing uh, for from for me personally, because growing up, I had been, you know, maced, thrown on top of cop cars by cops because we were badass little kids, you know. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of times they were just fucking with us like. Well, these damn hood look like one time we were playing craps they took all of our money and left <laughs> i'm yeah. like hey they just stole from us <laughs> but i think what, what i was trying yeah, to say yeah. was um a lot of times now i'm very following direction I'm like do whatever they say like sort of shut the fuck up right because if it's put your hands up it's for a reason put your hands up make them visible so you're, they're not hands in your pockets because there was this one guy i was watching on a news channel and what he did was he was a big uh, criticizer of police and basically saying, you know, too many cops are shooting people on accident and this sort of thing. And he went with a, a police officer and they did a scenario where this guy pulled over um, an alleged suspect and got out of the car and went to his – they had walked him through some basic drills and stuff like that. And the amount of seconds that the, the guy was trying to determine if he was reaching – the, the suspect was reaching for a seatbelt, a gun, or trying to get out of the car – he made mistakes like every time they ran the drill. Yeah. It's just because you have a split second to make a decision whether this guy reaching for a gun or, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it's just like follow fucking instructions. <laughs> like, you know, I may be a petty criminal, but I'm like very clear on that. Like if a cop, I tell my nieces, my nephews, my friend, I'm like, just do whatever the fuck the cop says. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's for a reason. And uh, it's, it's so, you know, everyone could go home safely. Right. right? So, um, you know, either you're a suspect or, you know, they might have the reason to believe you. You may be a suspect. If you're not, it's all gonna get cleared. Mm -hmm. So um, it's all gonna be cleared. It's gonna be cleared off, uh, uh, cleared away. It, if you are, you know, hopefully you don't reach for you know uh, your waistband or, or a weapon or whatnot. So uh, you know, you, you can be uh, you know, everyone could be safe. Yeah, because once they're locked on you, it's it's you're already in their their sort of their sights. So just do what they say to you. Yeah, they're not going to arrest you or put you in a jail for something that you didn't do or whatever the case is. So you making a big fucking deal about it. It's not going to help anybody. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's so crazy too. What about like if you're driving and 
because everyone has theories. This is just me asking you a question. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so a lot of times when my friends are in a the car, they're like, oh, take your hat off because the cop will pull you over if they mm -hmm. see a hat. Is there something specific? Not trying to help criminal, <laughs> but just like <laughs> if you're going to pull somebody over, is there certain things you're looking for or is it just sort of random? Is it how – how do you go about that? No, I mean uh, – I mean if you're saying a hat, no. No, I mean, I mean when you stop somebody – you need you need a good PC, meaning um, they ran a red light or you know uh, they they've they've um, what is it they haven't followed the traffic laws, right? Mm -hmm. So you need you need some sort of a PC in that form in order for us to stop you. So Probable that's cause. yeah that's right. that's what we're using, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so what you wearing a hat is not going to be a, a PC for it. Well, it's more of like a deterrent, I would try to say, because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, if you have a hat, it looks like you're trying to hide something, or, you know? No, no. Okay, so it's just really, if you have a, do you ever have like a feeling when you pull somebody over, or is it just like, they did this, I'm going to pull them over? Like, do you no, have a probable cause? No, and no, you... no, um, I wouldn't know until I I uh, approach the driver's seat. So you don't uh, ever, I... so if you're going to pull someone over, you never look at them like, this guy looks suspicious, and then pull them over? I haven't done that. So uh, when I do stop them, mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I walk up to the driver, mm -hmm. uh, I might, you know, that, and I see maybe like some tattoos or whatever, then I might see that. And then that oh, shit, I'm may cause, <laughs> no, 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 not, no, not like, let's just say like some gang, uh, uh, you know, gang involvement tattoos, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, tattoos that involve, you know, gang membership or something like mm -hmm. that. You know, uh, when it comes to that, yeah, you know, I'm going to raise, you know, there's, there's some red flags. You there. get a little more thorough yeah. as it goes on. Okay, so there's nothing really um, that you're looking for just to – okay, what about when a cop follows you for a very long time? Is he sort of just looking for probable cause? No? <laughs> no, no. I'm just trying to give myself a little heads up so I get some of these parking tickets knocked away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's nothing – okay, what about a suspect – or not even a suspect, just probable cause for someone on the street. Like maybe you might think they're under influence of uh, drugs or something like that. Do you just go up to them and question them? Or how does that work? So, so that would be a reasonable suspicion, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for us to detain somebody, you need reasonable suspicion, right? That's uh, that's through uh, a police officer's training and experience that a person is involved in a crime. Mm -hmm. You know, that's committed committed a crime is about to or is. Um, or is involved in a crime, right? So, like you said, someone looks, uh, someone looks high on narcotic substance. Yeah, mm -hmm. to us that raises reasonable, reasonable suspicion, where we can detain that person. So that's what you need to detain somebody. You can't just do it for no reason. Right. Yeah. If he's just jumping up and down, he's just going for a job. No, that's illegal. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but if he's uh, like sweating, right, just talking out out of his mind, and you know his eyes are dilated, and he's just running up and down the street, just looking up at the sky, that's gonna raise questions. Okay. So what do you say to somebody if, like for myself, for example, if I'm like, hey, I feel like this cop is mistreating me and mm -hmm. violating my rights. What What's the proper way to, to address the cop on that? Or do you not address it at all and just try to, what's the proper channel? What would you suggest to a person on the opposite end if they're trying to deal with the cop that they think might be violating their I mean, you, you can always uh, ask for a supervisor. Everyone knows that. Um, uh, you, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows I that, didn't know that shit. Okay. So you could always <laughs> ask for a supervisor. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you get pulled over on the street and you don't feel Yeah, if you if you feel like, you know, you were treated uh, you know, badly or, or um, you know, you know, yeah, badly, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, if if it wasn't um the right cause for it, then yeah, you could you can say, "Hey, can I t can I speak to your supervisor?" Okay, well, what if uh, so so let me get run this scenario through. I get pulled over, right? I don't feel like he's got any probable cause to pull me over. Mm -hmm. um, all my, my tags are up to date. Everything's fine. And he sort of starts getting an attitude with me. And I just feel like he's way over the top and being aggressive or maybe instructing me to get out of the car when I haven't done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Should What do you think? I should just follow his instructions and then afterwards report the situation? Yeah. Or, okay, so yeah. just do that. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, uh, I'll just I mean, he's, I mean, if he stopped you for a reason, then um, – it's gonna be recorded somewhere on a on a dash cam or uh, we call it you know in car video right so mm -hmm. on an in car video or whatnot that you know you've you know let's just say you know he told you that you you ran that red light and you said no I you haven't it's gonna be recorded somewhere right okay. um, yeah just you know uh, follow accordingly and then after if you can be like yeah let me let me speak to your supervisor because I've had I've had for my personal experience I've had good sometimes. Um, 
I've had confrontations with cops where I've got aggressive with them and mm-hmm. I've, you know, been cussing at a female officer and she was like, you know, da 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 and I put my hands up and I was like, I'm not being aggressive to you. I was like, I have every right to say what I want to say and I was like, I think you're not doing your fucking job. And then uh, some some guy came over to me and was like, do we have a problem here? He's like, I'm not being threatening. I'm not being anything. I was like, I just feel like she's, you know, and then mm-hmm. he was like, all right, we'll get the hell out of here and they let me go and I've had situations obviously where it made it way worse. <laughs> you know, where they're like, yeah. They give they start tearing apart your car or something cuz you're giving them lip. So I mean, you can't just tear apart someone's car. I mean, you, you need a you need a good reason to search of someone's Yeah, so that's car. that's more of a situation I'm saying. Like say you get pulled over and they start going through cuz they yeah. they've I've done that before mm-hmm. where I was with my buddy and they said, "Can we search your car?" And I was like, "Go for it." But to me, I was kind of like, "Why are you searching my car? I don't have anything yeah. wrong." They're like, "We're not going to find anything." I was like, "No." And okay. then they're like, "Just get out of here." <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the way I approach the situation is, you know, you know, someone's like motherfucking me then like cussing at me or whatever, I'm, I'm going to let him be. I'm going to let that person be unless he tries to get physical, right? Mm-hmm. Then it'll be it'll be a different story. Mm-hmm. But um, if someone wants to cuss at me and, you know, say, you know, F you and all that, I, l- I let them do all of that because they, they have that freedom of speech. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm there to I'm there to protect their rights too, right? So uh, unless they're trying to harm me or somebody else, I just let them be. I, I, but I do have to... Uh, have to try to control that situation. Hey, like you know, if you're if you're gonna do that, can you go over there and do that? Yeah. No, not not in front of my face while I'm doing this investigation. Well, it's like you have freedom of speech, but then you have to you also have to respect the other person's freedom to be pissed off and fucking upset with your freedom of speech. <laughs> you know, some people just fire off at the mouth with whatever they want to say. You know, and then they don't realize like with the Kobe. Uh, sorry, this is a little off topic, but like with the Kobe Bryant thing, for example, right? Everyone's um, super upset, and then there's people that out there that are like. Oh, well, you know, fuck that or this and that. And it's like, you have a right to say that, but then they're getting all these fucking people that are like, I'm going to beat your ass. Or, and I'm like, they kind of have a right to have their reaction to what you ever you want to say, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, if you have freedom of speech, but you got to exercise it cautiously on shit you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Especially with the cop and some guy that has a fucking gun, like, you know. <laughs> have you ever used uh, a non lethal force? Have you ever used a mace or anything like that to subdue somebody? Yeah. What, what, uh, all the above? <laughs> Taser. Um, yeah, I've used uh, I've used a beanbag. Um, you know, um, I ha- you know, I've used a taser before. Uh, and uh, you know, a, a, like you know, force grip and takedowns. You know, those are all non-lethal. So, what do you feel like uh, is most effective as far as a weapon, like a taser, a beanbag gun? What's your experience and how many times, if anything? Like, would you, would I think you... a taser works. Uh, to me, a taser works fine. God, that's so fucking. T- I've never been tased. That's yeah. terrifying yeah, to me. <laughs> yeah, in the academy, uh, you get tased. Oh, you, they tase uh, you. Yeah, so, that's so good. You, f- you feel you feel the full force of it. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's five seconds. Uh, you get like it tightens all your muscles in your body, and you just can't move, and it just sh- and you get this electricity uh, type of feeling all over your body, and it's just. It's painful. You go through it. It lasts five seconds, but that person can't move. But I have seen it where um, uh, an individual is under narcotic substance, and it hasn't worked too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they're if they're high on something like PCP or something like that, it might not work. But uh, does it just not lock up there? They just don't even. Is they? Is their body like? Can you tell that the body's like locking up from the volts, and they're just not affected by it, or is it just they're not even noticing it? And- I mean, scientifically, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but yeah, because yeah, you I've feel like that, yeah. that many volts is still going into their body, so you think that their muscles would still lock, right? Yeah, Even yeah, the, yeah. I don't no, know. I've seen it where like it, it seems like it's working, but they'll take the darts off. Oh, I've seen that also. <laughs> so, um, but you know, in my experience, it's worked every time I've used it. Right. So, and yeah. the beanbag gun, how did that go over? Because the only thing I saw was uh, Johnny Knoxville when he did the the gun range, and they mm-hmm. shot him in the chest with it. Yeah, okay. that, that was fucking. Uh, yeah, I haven't him. I haven't been hit with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one you're like, don't test on me. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a shotgun, uh, and the ammo that you use is it's filled with the beanbag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so when you shoot at it, it just packs a huge punch. Yeah. And then so. people just go down. Do you use it in the streets? Do you have them in your car, or how does that? Yeah. Uh, every every police officer has one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Or or. No, most. I will say most. Yeah. So do you take it out? Like, okay, this is gonna be a non-lethal take. Yeah, down. yeah. It depends on the situation. Like, okay. uh, you know, a person has a knife, and you know, before you um, try to use lethal, before you you use your your firearm, you're gonna try to you know take the person down with a, a non-lethal. So a beanbag would be good. 
right right mm-hmm. uh so yeah i've used a, a beanbag in cases like that so yeah it just seems like yeah with the exception of narcotics a taser is so fucking effective almost like a police dog too a police dog would be fucking terrifying i worked with some police dogs in guam i was working with the when i was in the military we did some police work out there and we volunteered ourselves to help train their canine department and those fucking dogs were insane have you had any experience with uh canines yeah i have uh like you know when, when you set up a let's say uh you're going after a suspect and he goes inside a, a an apartment complex and you might want to back away uh-huh. and then set up a perimeter around that block and then you'll call canine and then you know they'll get canine officers with the canine dogs to go and uh, catch the guys, to locate the guys. So, yeah, I've, I've done searches like that with canines. Have you seen them fuck somebody up before? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, yeah, because, I mean, you'd think that you'd be able to, like, manhandle a dog, but the way well, those things sprint at you. They... Well, the way I've, I've done it um, is they'll locate them, and then they'll bark. Oh, okay. They'll, they'll bark, and then uh, that's when you'll give commands, hey, you know, I know you're there, come out with your hands up, and, and they came and um, most of the times they came out with their hands up so right they don't want that dog on that ass <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> and then when they so if the does the instructor instruct the canine from there like now bite or is he just no 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 no, okay. no, no. Well, once that happens we go in and we cuff him what if the the person's already getting bit by the dog cuz a lot of times you have to wait for the handler to come and take the dog off right um i haven't experienced that but from from my knowledge uh if they do by you know they'll no, they'll tell him to let go or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I just fucking, yeah, it's it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to get bit by a dog. I mean, yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get a little schnauzer biting at you. It fucking sucks. All right, man. Well, this has been uh, legit. We're at an hour and five, so I guess we'll wrap it up. Cool. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's oh, thanks lo- for having me. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, good information for, for us to have, and it's good to get the perspective of a, a legit cop, man. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you next time. Peace.